Tanner, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Our scripture reading tonight will be from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, starting in verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly now that at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, it's so good to see you tonight. Um, Blake, thanks for the introduction. Thanks for the invitation. I'm so glad that you're here tonight. Philippians chapter 4 is what Cole's read for us. I'm going to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Philippians 4 this evening. I want you to look with me in, in your copy of the Bible there. I want you to look with me at verse 12. I want you, if you have a pencil, if you have a pen, I I want you to focus in on on one word here that I think is really, really important for us to look at, and that is that word that flows out of of the passage that Cole has just read for us in verse 12, I have learned the secret of being, and notice that word, content. I, I want us to talk about contentment tonight. Notice how uh, Paul goes forward with this contentment in any and every situation. What what would you say is the secret to contentment? I mean, what what are we even talking about? If you're just just literally Google contentment, you're going to see just the the base definition of it is a state of happiness, a state of satisfaction, From a Christian standpoint, we think of it in terms of joy. Where where does my joy reside? Uh, Where where do I find a sense of just like identity, my place, who I am? Uh, Here in this passage here, I think it's really, really important. I remember just recently I was at Walmart, which is like where all sermon introductions are are birthed. So if if you're just wondering about that, like this is where sermon introductions are. Uh, come, you know, is at Walmart. And so my wife, we've been married 21 years. She sent me a text message and she said, David, I need you to get shampoo for the boys and I need you to get milk. Okay. Uh, you, you, it doesn't matter where Walmart is. You know, if you go to Walmart, that, that's like two opposite ends of the store. You get, so you're, you're tracking with me. You know where I am right here. So get the shampoo first because that's a smart way to handle the things right there. And so I get that, and I'm going to the other side of Walmart to get milk. So you're in like the very back of Walmart, and one of the things that happens there is you have like a pretty big aisle, and there were two elderly. You know, I don't know. It's hard to gauge people's ages, but I'm just kind of thinking they're about 80, 90-year-old men, and there are two of them that are on those motorized carts. So you know where I am? So I'm in a real hurry. So what do I do? I kind of come this way to pass one, but he's like right up to the edge right there, so I couldn't pass him. And so I sort of tried to go around to the 
other end and I can't pass the other guy. They're literally these two guys and they're taking up the whole back aisle on these motorized carts. And one of them just kind of looks up at me because he realizes, I mean, I've tried to get in between them. I can't get around them. And they're just literally taking up the whole back. And he just kind of grins at me. And he says, it's just funny. And you're not going to think it's funny. But I I just thought it was really funny because he looked up at me and he said, he said, I am beating him in a race. It was really, to me, that is so funny. These two men, and then, and this, okay, I'm really not making this story up here. I'm really not. This really happened. He looked up at me, and he goes, and I don't remember the guy's name, but he was just sort of like, and yesterday, I beat him. So, okay, a couple of things that are happening in the story here. These two men are in the back of Walmart under these motorized carts, and they're racing each other on the back of these carts here. Now, the better part of the story is, is that the guy said that I beat him the next day, or the previous day. So they're like two days in a row where these men are in the back on these motorized carts racing one another in these carts. To me, there's something about that that has stuck with me. I don't know these guys. I don't know if they're followers of Jesus. I don't know anything about it. But it just has stuck with me when I get to the place in my life where for whatever reason I am riding and steering a motorized cart in Walmart, I want to be the type of person that's going to race people on those motorized carts. Do you see what I'm saying here? You know, I want to be the type of person who's able to look at life and find a sense of contentment. Now, if somebody's looking at that story, there are a lot of ways that we can say, well, here's the reason that these people were content. Here's the reason that they were having joy in the midst of that situation right now. Uh, one way we could say is, boy, they have a lot of a success behind them. Sort of the world sells us this idea that contentment is found when you find success. Contentment is found when you have a lot of money. Contentment is found when you have acclaim and fame. And so when you get to a certain achievement level, then you have found that state of joy and satisfaction and happiness. Uh, Jim Carrey, you know, uh, many of you know who Jim Carrey is. There's a Netflix documentary called Becoming Andy. And so Jim Carrey, when he kind of got to the height of his fame, he, he played Andy Kaufman, who was just like 70s, sort of lunatic kind of comedian. And he inhabited him. And for pretty much the entirety of the documentary, it's how he is at the top of everything. He, he, he gets more money for every movie that he does than anyone else. Um, he has more acclaim, more fame, and he says this in that documentary. I just want you to hear this. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it is not the answer. Really interesting. And I'm, I just want to say that again here. Here's, here's a person who's got everything that the world could offer, And he says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. So if success and fame and money and like endless health and endless satisfaction, if that's not the answer, then then what is the answer? Well, maybe we could say, well, if there's not like COVID-19, then I can find contentment. Or if there's not like political disunity in our country, then I could find real contentment. Like that, the, the absence of conflict breeds contentment. 
But we look at this passage right here, and again, Cole read it for us, but I just want to remind you, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned. Again, notice what he says. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, there's a part of us that reads a passage like this and says, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever circumstance, right? Like, I mean, right, do we feel that? I feel that. I mean, do y'all feel that? It's just sort of that we, we have this idea that, that Paul really could not truly mean any and every circumstance. Do you know where Paul is? Many of you would know this here. You know where Paul is when he's writing this letter? He is in prison when he's writing this letter. Acts chapter 28 is where he is. Uh, what prison looked like is, is not really what prison looks like in 2020 now, so that's probably not a healthy uh, image for us. It's dark, it's dingy, it's dungeon-like. He is most likely shackled to a Roman soldier, so can you imagine the indignity of, of being in that kind of proximity to uh, soldiers that come in and out, in and out? And he says more than that at the beginning of Philippians chapter 1. Let's just kind of think about any and every circumstance. It is my eager expectation. You see this on the screen, verse 20, Philippians 1. It's my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage now as always Christ be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ, and notice what he says, to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two, he says. My desire is to depart, be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is much more necessary on your account. Do you see what Paul's doing here? So literally, when Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, I've learned to be content in any and every circumstance, whether hungry or well-fed, where he's writing this is in prison, number one. Secondly, kind of fleshing out what any and every circumstance means, he, he thinks he is going to die. So he, he's at this place where he's writing, I've learned the secret of contentment in prison, saying to the church at Philippi, I want to go ahead to, to live as Christ, but to die as gain. But it might be better for me to stay on this earth for your sake here. So whether I die or whether I live, I'm good. So to flesh out what Paul is saying in this passage here, here we have a man who says, you know something? I don't know if I'm getting out of here, but I have found contentment in any and every circumstance. Well, some of you are still not convinced. You say, well, yeah, I mean, if he, if he would have experienced the last eight months of what we've experienced here, and it's been a difficult eight months. I, can, can you, I mean, how much has changed? I mean, some of you are your freshman year at Sanford and your senior year um, was crazy. You're at Birmingham Southern and maybe you're graduating and what, your, what graduation looks like is going to be insanely different. Kara, where, where else do we have folks? We've got Birmingham Southern, we've got Sanford here, we've got Montevallo here, we've got UAB here. And so, I mean, just kind of think about the last eight months 
of what school has looked like for you. And it's just, it's really, to say the least, it's been stressful. To say the least, it has been difficult. It's been disappointing. And all that stuff is true here. And then we have somebody standing before us, the Apostle Paul, and he says, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of contentment. But I want us just to press into this just a little bit more because what Paul is saying here, he actually has lived. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we think it's just sort of this ivory tower disconnect from average, you know, difficulty of life. One more passage just to drill this in here. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Just listen to the litany of any and every circumstance that Paul lists. Same guy that's writing in Philippians chapter 4. I know the secret of being content. Listen to what Paul says. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night at I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger. Just, just get ready here. Put, put on your seatbelt for this because here's Paul. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger for the bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and told, and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and I've often gone without food. I've been cold, naked, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. I, I, I don't know how you read this, but it, I read this, and I'm just sort of worn out by the time I just read the passage of everything the Apostle Paul has experienced. Do you feel that? I mean, here is a person, here is a person who, who has walked a mile in the most worn of shoes. Here's a person that earns the sort of the experiential collateral to say what he's saying in Philippians chapter 4. He's not just preaching. He's not just using words. Here's a person who's walked the very thing that he is talking about here. So the question is, in the midst of difficulty that you might have experienced these last eight months, it might be helpful for us to listen to the one person inspired by Holy Scripture that has lived out the most hellish of circumstances. I mean, really. Thinking he's going to die, prison, this whole litany of difficulties here, and say, Paul, what is the secret? Now, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say how Stoicism was this, this viewpoint, it was sort of a worldview that you just didn't feel external pressure. And, and no matter what came your way, you, you weren't blown in the wind by circumstances here. So no matter what you were facing, you just gritted your teeth and you just pressed forward. That is not what Paul is saying in this passage. It, it's not sort of this Pollyannish, think positive thoughts. It's not this, hey, when, when life gives you uh, lemons, you know, make lemonade. It's not that kind of triteness. He, he says something much more powerful here. He says, verse 13, probably the most famous passage in all of maybe even Paul's letters, but certainly Philippians chapter 4. Go back to it. You know this passage. I think this is the first passage I ever memorized from the Apostle Paul. I can do all this. What's all this? Well, being secret in any and every situation, 
Learn to be content, whatever the circumstances here. Here, Paul is saying that I can do all of this through Him who gives me strength. Uh, some of you are athletes here, you know, like in college now. Some of you are athletes in middle school and um, high school. And I, I, I was saved through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I was saved because I had a football coach and a social studies, sort of like history, middle school history uh, coach, uh, Greg Stegall, who just modeled what the gospel did to a person's life, and he invested in me. And the first message I ever heard was an FCA message. So we got some FCA folks here. Dave, I know you, you know all about FCA, man. So, um, so we got football players that know about this. All of you know about FCA. A FCA is really good for a lot of things, but one of the things that I got from FCA was a misunderstanding of this passage here. So I, I read this as a seventh grader or an eighth grader, and, I, and at the end of the day, I thought this meant that any athletic thing that I needed to do, this was sort of like a rabbit's foot. So I, I literally remember being on the you know, batter's you know, on deck and watching this pitcher just like humming in there. I mean, it just looked like Nolan Ryan of 12-year-old baseball and uh, Clayton Kershaw of, of uh, do you, do you, uh, so. Um, so y'all are watching the Rays and the Dodgers. I don't, Blake, you're watching, you're watching the World Series. I don't know how many people watch baseball anymore here. So uh, Clayton Kershaw is a pitcher. So, okay. And I just remember being there and just thinking to myself, I, literally thinking, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all. I mean, I was, it was just like this mantra. I was sitting there saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I got up there to hit and... Um, strike one. I, I didn't swing, you know, it was just like, I didn't even know what happened, and then I, I tried to swing, and I missed it, like, completely, and I was kind of thinking in the back of my mind, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and then the third pitch was just right down the middle, I didn't swing, three strikes, you're out, and I just kind of went back to the dugout, and I was like, I don't know if I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I, I didn't quite, it didn't apply here, and the thing about it is, is that's not what Paul's talking about. Now, you know that's not what Paul is talking about. But that's what we do with Scripture sometimes, is we just sort of take it out of its original context, and we just dilute it down. We just rip it out, and it becomes a mantra. It becomes just sort of a rabbit's foot. There's a technical word for that. It's proof texting, where you take a text out of its context and you make it mean something for our context that it never was intended to mean. But when you actually look at it in the actual context of it, it is far more powerful than this kind of rabbit's foot kind of thing. Christ doesn't want to be your good luck charm. That, that's, he, he's far richer than, than helping you pass a test or get into the right graduate program. Or end up in the best relationship that, that you have in your mind. Like, I have to be in this relationship here. I'm 100% sure. He's the right one. She is the right one here. What Paul is saying here is far more powerful. That Paul is saying that he finds his strength for all of life in and through Christ. That through a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we can find the strength to face whatever challenge comes our way. And, and one of the ways I like to think about this is we have two options in life in the midst of difficult circumstances. And the first option is, is we can face these circumstances by living out of the overflow of Christ in us, or we can live caught in the undertow of our circumstances. I, mean, I know it's a huge generalization, 
but you're going to face difficult situations. And we have options. Do we live out of the overflow of Christ in us, or do we live caught in the undertow of our circumstances? Another way we could say this is either Christ defines all of our life and all of our circumstances, or our circumstances define who we are in life. Is Christ defining us in the midst of our circumstances, or are our circumstances defining us? What is the source of your identity? You're 18, you're 20, you're 22, 41 like myself. What is the source of my identity? Is it hidden in Christ? Is it what He has done for me through His death, burial, and resurrection? Is it that I am forgiven in Him? That I am His child? That, that nothing can separate me from the love of God? Or is it the circumstances that are around me, the difficulties or even the joys that are around me? Are, are you defined by Christ or are you being defined and confined by the circumstances around you? Are you being defined by who Jesus is or are you being confined refined, and even undermined by the circumstances around you? How, how do we live out of this overflow? Well, first, I just want to say that, that none of this means anything unless there's been a time in your life where you've trusted in the finished work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So none of this means anything if there's not been a time in your life where you've realized that you're a sinner and that you realize that Jesus is the solution and He has lived the perfect life that you could not live. He has died the death that you deserve to die. And in and through Jesus and His crucifixion and His resurrection, so as you trust Him as your Savior, there is a two-word phrase that Paul uses again and again and again throughout his epistles to sum up what the Christian life is. Do you know what those two words are? In Christ. In Christ. In Christ. So I'm a sinner, but when I'm in Christ, I'm forgiven. I am imperfect, but when I'm in Christ, I am His perfection is how a holy God sees me. Why? Because I'm hidden in Him. So what is His is mine. So has there been a time that you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior? But in the following of Christ, there are times where that is our ultimate identity, but we live in such a way that we ignore who we are in Him. We forget who we are in Him. You see, even as a follower of Jesus, we need to be reminded of where our identity is. I think about it this way, uh, when, when you are going through college, at least it was for me, and, and I think this might resonate with you, when, when I was 18 to about 24, I, I always thought this, once I get fill in the blank, then I will be content. Like, okay, so let me give you some examples here. Like, once I get past this semester, then I will find peace. Once I get clarity on my major, then I will find a sense of contentment. And this restlessness in me, it, it will go away. Once I just fill in the blank here, 
once I get accepted into this grad school, once I figure out what my major needs to be, once I meet someone that I really like and they really like me, then I will find contentment here. And again, notice in this passage here, what, what that is, is allowing the circumstances around us to define us. And so what Paul is saying is, is even in the midst of the difficulty of sort of COVID-19 and it turning everything upside down, like across the world and certainly in your life to some extent here, that you can find contentment in Christ, like right now. Not, not like months or years from now, but literally right now. Whatever the circumstance, Paul says. So even in the uncertainty of whatever you're facing right now, the Bible says that you can find contentment in Christ right now. Even if this is a really transitional time in your life, that you can find contentment in Christ right now. Even if there's a tremendous amount of disappointment that you're feeling right now, and it's real disappointment. And I'm not saying, and the Bible is not saying, hey, get over it, no big deal. No, that the, the, the pain is real, the difficulty is real, but even in the midst of the uncertainty, you can find contentment in Christ because your joy rests in Him, and He is unshakable. So he's unmovable. So the wind of circumstances, they're blowing you, but where are you? You're in Christ. There's a great preacher by the name of Matthew Henry, 18th century, so it goes a while back. There's a big sort of commentary, one-volume commentary, Matthew Henry's commentary. So you have all these Sunday school teachers for hundreds of years that have used his commentary. He was a preacher. He was going to church one day. He gets robbed by the, on the way to church. Literally, he's on the way to church. He gets robbed. And he, he gets up and he goes to preach. Now, when he gets to church, his, his congregants could see something's happened to you. So they're like, Pastor, what happened? Well, he got up to preach and he gave four points. And it's just like a powerful message. And I listen to what he says. He says this, I am thankful. He said, I am thankful that the person that robbed me had never robbed me before. Secondly, he said, I am thankful that although he took my wallet, he did not take my life. Thirdly, he says, although he took all that I had, it was not much. The fourth point that he said that day was, I am glad that it was I who was robbed, not I who did the robbing. Now, this is just interesting here because here we have a person who is having in this moment to say, am I going to live out of the overflow of Christ in me or am I going to be pulled by the undertow of the circumstances around me? When I uh, was in the first church I ever pastored was in the midst of Hurricane Katrina. And so our church was a fourth of a mile away from the Gulf of Mexico which meant that there was like five feet of water that came into our church and flooded everything. Came back to the church and like the front doors of the church ripped off. 95% of our church members lost everything. My wife and I lived three miles inland. We had one shingle missing, but we had to replace everything that we owned because we had four feet of water. That's how, that's how far the storm surge came. And it's just like absolutely devastating. And so when you have like this gross grief, gross in the sense of the widespread nature of it, uh, I would go to each of our church members' homes, especially those initial days I'll, after, and I'll never forget, I went back to Donald Avery's house. Mr. Avery was uh, 81 years old. He was one of the deacons of the church. 
I came back to his house, and he had lived in the same house for 65 years. When I met him at his house, do you know what we stood on? We stood on a slab. So, hey, look, some of you have grown up in one house. And like going home for Thanksgiving is something you really look forward to. Not everybody. But you know, you know the sense of like calm and peace. Kara, you've got a house like that. I mean, you've been in that same house. Those memories. So can you just multiply that by like three? He had, he had memories of his children going up in this house, memories of his grandchildren, and literally members, memories of his great-grandchildren in the same house. And I'll never forget, I mean, with tears in his eyes, he said, Preacher, I've lost everything in my house. but I have not lost anything that eternally matters. Now, he was weeping. It was real pain, real heartache. But even in the midst of that, he was saying, I can live out of the overflow of Christ in me. Or I can be swept, swept in the undertow of this hellish generation-shaping storm that has robbed me of earthly goods and earthly possessions. But at the end of the day, there's an eternity ahead. And this storm, it can blow my house back into the gulf, but it cannot rob me of the eternity before me. I mean, these are extreme examples. But life, not always, but every one of us in this room are, are going through sort of a life-altering kind of experience. And, and you know this, do you not? That these eight, last eight months are doing something to all of us. I, I, this is going to be something that you talk to your kids and your grandkids about. And it's like, oh yeah, I was living in the midst of COVID and uh, we wore masks and uh, we had loved ones that passed away and school got canceled and I didn't go to my high school graduation or it looked completely different than I thought it was going to look like. And so you're going to be telling these kinds of stories. And so, boy, it's a really good test run for what life is like. Because you know something, not a single one of us in this sanctuary, not a single one of us in this sanctuary can stop what's going on. Now we have a role to play, do we not? We have a responsibility, but I'm not in charge of, of the worldwide spread of COVID-19. And, and, and I can't snap my fingers and say, hey, everybody come back to church. Everything's okay. Everything's just like it was like back in February. Like, there we go. I can't do that. You can't do that. 
And so we're having to live in this time where we're saying, are, are we going to live out of the overflow of Christ in us or are we going to be pulled by the undertow of our circumstances? Which one will it be? Is it Christ in us that is defining reality or is it the circumstances around us that are defining reality? Uh, one passage, and I'll just leave you with this, Jesus' own words, and I love it. It's John chapter 15 where he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And I love that last part. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, you can't do this without drinking deeply from the Word of God in intimate relationship through prayer, depending upon Jesus. So, this isn't, hey, think good thoughts. This isn't, hey, get your mind straight. This is drink deeply from the only source of true contentment and that is Jesus. So my question to you is, I mean, just a simple question, but are you being defined now by the circumstances that you can't control? And are they blowing you all around and you just feel as if you have no solid ground to stand on? Or do you realize that no matter what life feels like, you are secure because you are in the very source of security. You are okay because COVID-19 cannot, cannot separate you from the love of Christ. You're okay because your course schedule is different and your holiday plans are different and maybe who you're seeing and not being able to see is different and there's real grief and there's real disappointment and there's real loneliness and there's real trials and all of that stuff is real but what is more real is who has you look to him look to him Circumstances around you are Christ in you. Gracious God, we come to you today. We are so grateful for your word, a word that reminds us that the secret of contentment is not found by us looking inside of ourselves. But the secret of contentment is found as we look outside of ourselves to you, the one who is unchanged and unchangeable, the one who is solid and secure, the one who holds us when we feel as if we're being blown by disappointment and uncertainty, questions, frustration. So may we, may we abide deeply in You. May we listen closely to who we are in Your Word. May we speak intimately with You in prayer. I pray that all of us would just think, even right now, what, God, are you teaching me in this season of my life? What am I trying to find contentment in that is a pale imitation of true joy and satisfaction that only you can bring? What are you revealing in the insecurities of my life? trying to put my identity in. Speak to us, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Oxano podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.